0: Well, let's begin. Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God, Jesus said. Have faith in God. Remember, the disciples uh, the day before had uh, been with Jesus when he's going into the city, and uh, he saw a fig tree without uh, fruit on it, but it wasn't the time of fruit, and he's uh, cursed the fig tree and said, "No man eat fruit of you from now on." The disciples. Passed by that tree on the way back with Jesus the next day. And they said, um, Master, the the tree that you cursed is withered away from the roots. Well, one thing to notice is when Jesus does something, he doesn't do it halfway. It's not just a surface action. He doesn't just take care of the symptom. He takes care of the root of the problem. Goes right to the very root. And uh, if it's something bad, cuts it out. And then produces, what, something good. And so the disciples were thinking about this. And um, they wondered about this. I still haven't even found it myself here. Let me find it. <laughs> Verse 21. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said to them, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Over in Matthew talks about from the roots. And Jesus answering. Answering what? What Peter had said and what he was thinking. Uh, and Jesus answered, not just Peter, because Peter was kind of speaking for all the disciples that were present. And Jesus answering said to them, have faith in God. Now, uh, next to the word have in my Bible, uh, there's a little letter I that really tells you what the Greek actually says. It says, have the faith of God. Or um, Centenary translation, which now, if you want to look it up, they kind of changed the name of it. It's Montgomery, Helen Montgomery, um, translated uh, New Testament kind of based off of Weymouth's translation back in, uh, I think it was 1861. And um, she did that because she saw all these young boys, what does she call them? She has some funny name for them, like my dad would have said Rugrats, you know, or something, but <laughs> all these boys running around in the city, and she's like, I'm trying to teach them the Word of God because there's life in the Word, but, you know, they can't understand this Old English. So she found Weymouth and used that for a while, and then she said, you know what? At the busiest time of her life, uh, she said, I'm going to write a new translation. So she wrote the centenary translation. Now it's called Montgomery. Anyhow, she translated this verse, Mark 11, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. And I love that translation. Lay hold of the faithfulness of God. Because you could answer any number of questions that people would have with how the King James says it right here, have faith in God. Like, I got this issue. Have faith in God. That's the answer. Have faith in God. But I like how Helen translated it because she said, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. A lot of times when we're trying to um, do what we know should be done in a situation, when somebody says, have faith in God, kind of like, okay, work really hard and and have all this faith. Well, well faith, I was gonna say so I don't know if I should say it that way. <laughs> faith without works is dead, but really the work of faith is Hebrews chapter four, it's entering into the rest, which is that Jesus already did the work. Okay, so in other words, When you live by faith, you will do works because something changed on the inside of you. You have a different nature, a different desire, different focus from the core of your being. And because of that different desire, that different nature, that different focus, you will be doing all kind of works that we would say are good works. Right? But not in order to get the approval of God, but really because you all of a sudden start to recognize look at how good God is. Look at how merciful God is. Remember Jesus, uh, you know, now religion, Christianity, Bible Christianity is not a religion. So men make religions that give you kind of methods and habits and things that are supposed to be good and and help you, okay? But Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with a person and his name is Jesus and with his father. You can't get to the father except having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, um, you know, religion will try to like say, well, you have to do this right and this right and this right and this right and then God will approve of you. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, whoever comes to God in the name of Jesus, believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, paid the price, and that God raised him from the dead, and confesses Jesus as Lord with their mouth, that that person is saved. So the reality is, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, sin passed to all men and death passed to all men. Spiritual death or separation from God passed to all men. And then, of course, physical death uh, begun at that moment. So that's why Adam and Eve are not still alive walking on earth, right? And so, but Jesus came to bring us new life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. So Jesus, uh, answering the disciples, uh, thought about, like, are you serious? Your words actually affected life on this earth. He said, oh, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. So I like that, lay hold of the faithfulness of God, because it's not saying, like, I have to be this amazing person in order to do this. It's saying God is so amazing, just grab a hold of his faithfulness. You know, I think over in Timothy, there's one place where it says, uh, when we are faithless, he's faithful. So in other words, don't rely upon your ability to always be there and do the right thing and do the Bible thing and do what God said. Now, you need to do that if you're going to be blessed. You got to feed upon the word. You got to pray, turn the situation to the Lord. But really, what you're doing when you pray is you enter into the presence of who? God. And so it's Him that we're seeking, and it's Him that we're receiving from and of, and it's Him that's revealing. So it's really um, not about you. Praise the Lord. So um, she wrote this for uh, those young boys that she was ministering to. Now I want to go over to 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 7, uh, excuse me, 4 through 7. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 4 through 7. Greatly desiring to see you, so this is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy. Greatly desiring to see you, Timothy, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in you also. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up, say stir up, the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Now, this is not the main place I'm going, but isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to say to Timothy, his son in the faith, you have a gift of God that was put in you through the laying on of hands. you got to stir it up. I thought if God did something, it just automatically worked. I mean, if, if God is still healing people today, wouldn't they just be healed? If God is still saving people today, wouldn't they just be saved? And so you can actually have a tremendous gift. And until you develop it or until you delve into it, it just lie dormant. I mean, just think financially. If you had a great aunt or a great uncle who passed away and left you $5 million, that the estate knew about it, but they didn't know your address well, you actually have $5 million and say your car is just like, you know, you can't even hardly make it to work anymore because your car is a clunker and it's like falling apart. And you're like, Lord, I don't know, what, what am I gonna do? How, how, how's this gonna happen? How can I continue this job? I might have to quit the job and get a job I can walk to or get public transportation to. Yeah, you could have $5 million the whole time that's in your name that no one else can access except for you, but you don't know you have it. And so you can't access it, so you're driving the clunker. Well, it's like what happens when we're in Christed. When we, we become in union with Jesus Christ, we actually have a lot more than what we recognize. And when you begin to recognize it and believe it, well, well that, that stuff actually becomes active. So, Just one thing. I'll talk to you about just one thing. If you're a mother, are you... (laughs) I kind of got a joking thing right now, but anyhow. If you're a mother, I'll say, or you want to be a mother, or you were a mother. Well, if you ever were a mother, you still are a mother. (laughs) So I want to talk to you about just one thing. And that is faith. Faith for your family. Because is it interesting that uh, Timothy's grandmother and Timothy's mother, their faith actually was perceptible to Paul and to Timothy. Because Paul said, I, you know, I'm kind of remembering the faith of your grandmother and I'm remembering the faith of your mother. Well, interesting, he said right before that, he's like, when I think of your tears, he said, he said Timothy, I'm thinking about your tears. Why does Timothy have tears? Well, if you, if you look at a lot of commentaries, what they try to say is, well, he missed Paul. You know, because Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. So they said, well, well, he missed Paul, so this is why he has tears. Well, I suppose he might miss Paul, and so maybe he has tears because he misses Paul. But if you look at the context that what Paul is saying here, Paul is saying Timothy. That's a good name. (laughs) Paul is saying Timothy. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget what you have. Because sometimes when our mentor is put in prison and we don't have access to our mentor, sometimes when people are saying a lot of other things, There's a lot of voices in the world, and everyone is significant, right? So you got to be careful what you listen to because certain things come in, and if it's contrary to what God has said, boy, you're feeding yourself the wrong thing. It's very important. Sometimes it's life and death, life or death. And so uh, Paul's telling Timothy, wait, wait, wait! Don't you remember? You remember what Grandma was like? And do you remember what Mama's like? how they would just turn to God in every situation. But I I love that the Holy Spirit didn't just inspire him to say, the faith of your mother and the faith of your grandmother. So, you know, you can see see faith. But he actually said the sincere faith, or unfeigned faith, literally means sincere. So, I don't know, uh, we got our second beehive this year. So... uh, First beehive is actually doing really well. Now, the first couple of years we had a beehive, it was not a healthy hive. And so, you know, we're stumbling through learning and we're still stumbling through learning, but we're being very blessed right now. So the bees are very healthy. But you get that, uh, the bees and you know, and then bees make what? Honey. honey. Well, I like honey. And so last year in the fall, we got some honey and, uh from our hive, and we don't have an, you have to have extractor and all this stuff, Well we don't have all that stuff yet, we're going to get it real soon, but anyhow, um, so Melody just kind of put the um, frame right kind of over a dish, and kind of let it drip out, and try to open up the caps, because the bees will cap every cell with wax, you know, and so some of it dripped out, so we didn't get a lot, because we didn't do it the best way, but anyhow, uh, she did it, and so we got a little bit of honey, like maybe this much, and I ate that honey, and I've had uh, fresh honey before, but I had never had honey as good as that honey. I'm like, that is the best honey. Like, what, did the, what flowers did those bees pollinate? Because what nectar did they draw? Because that was some good honey. I really like that honey. But you know, because of how she did it, there was, if you look at it, you know, honey is considered sincere when there are, is no wax. Sincere literally means without wax. So it's talking about a honey that's pure. So when you extract the honey, you know, you put it in a machine that'll spin it and put it to the edges, then it drips out the bottom and then it goes through a little filter and they have different micron uh, filters with different thicknesses to get more or less wax out and of course it'll process faster or slower. And so the more wax you get out, the more sincere the honey is. So you got honey, but you got some wax in it. So this is what Paul is talking about with the faith of, of uh, Timothy's grandmother and Timothy's mother that they had a faith without a bunch of other junk attached to it or in there with it. Right? So sometimes you swallow the honey and you've got to swallow the wax. Now, I don't mind that because I like to sometimes just eat the comb. But if you talk about sincere honey, it's like pure, it's clean. So sometimes if you see people's faith, you've you got some wax with that faith. It's not necessarily pure and sincere. So Timothy's having a a struggle uh, of some kind and it seems like a, a struggle of confidence because Paul goes on to say you have not been given a spirit of fear but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Right? Remember the gift of God that's in you that was placed in you through the laying on of hands. Stir up that gift. And so... Timothy's grandmother and mother modeled a sincere faith. Because, you know, do children learn by what you say or by what you model? What you say or what you model? What you model. Like you're going to tell them all the right things and they're going to learn a few things. They maybe could regurgitate with their mouth what you said, but really they become what you do. So we've all found ourselves there. So it's just one thing. Do just one thing. (laughs) Because there is just one thing that you can do, and that is live by faith. Sincere faith. So you don't have a bunch of other stuff with the faith. In other words, it's the greatest thing you can teach your children, that you can put into your children, is modeling a life of faith. What's a life of faith? Well, it's a life that you have turned over to the Lord every situation, everything, all the time. That means you have to be 100% perfect all the time. No, I'm kidding. No, a life of faith is not a life of perfection, but it's a life that is turned over to the Lord and turned towards the Lord. So in other words, if I am a mother and I model before my children perfection, which never happens, but you might think it happens, I'm going to teach them that in order to be someone who follows God, you have to be perfect. So a life of faith, sincere faith, that would actually mean that Lois and Eunice let Timothy see that they actually made mistakes and in that they turned to the Lord. But an insincere faith would probably be something like, I'm just going to show you how perfect I am. I'm not going to let you see my weaknesses and my failings. I'm going to make you think that everything had to be perfect. Because what? Well, that's man's works in there. That's not a sincere faith. A sincere faith is, I turn my whole life over to God. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. Everything is turned over to God. And so if you, as a mother, you do just this one thing. Just do one thing. Because you may find you raise your voice when you shouldn't raise your voice. You may find you say things that you find out like, well, that was the most unbiblical thing whatsoever. (laughs) So what do you do? Well, if your life is turned over to the Lord, you know, I told you, was it last week, week before, I heard this, I'd never heard before. They said, um, if you're humble, you cannot be humiliated. Well, of all people to be humble before, how about your children? You know, so as a father, I can't really speak as a mother, but as a father, you know, when I make mistakes, then I apologize to my children, or I'll say, you know, I misunderstood, or I spoke too quickly. I shouldn't have spoke that way. You know, please forgive me. I'm asking the Lord to forgive me. And so, what am I doing? I am, well, <laughs> I'm keeping my relationship with the Lord and my children right first of all. But second of all, what am I doing? I'm showing them exactly what they do when they mess up because they will mess up, just like you mess up. Every one of us mess up. (laughs) But God is not looking for perfection. He already found perfection, and it was only in Jesus. So stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to do everything perfect. All you just do, one thing. You live a life of faith in God. Lay hold of the faithfulness of God. That's why I love that translation. So it's like, hey, kids... Uh, This is what we're going to do. We're all going to turn the whole situation over to the Lord. In fact, let's read just a little further. Verse 6. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Be... You uh, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus, when before the world began but is now made manifest in the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Wherefore, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Listen to this. This is where I want to get to. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded... That he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So think about that. Lois and Eunice, grandma and mama, lived such a life that the Holy Spirit could inspire Paul to say, Hey, remember their faith, their sincere faith? Remember how they didn't have all this other junk that you might have seen with other people? They just loved God, turned their lives over to him. They said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able. That God is able to keep that. Timothy apparently is struggling with maybe some self-confidence. And Paul's saying, remember, you got the goods on the inside of you. You've got the goods. Your grandmother had it. Your mother had it. And I am persuaded you've got it. So you had this right before you, right in front of you. You've got it. Now, um, I don't even know how many years ago. I should should look it up. But um, a few years ago. We were, I haven't used this illustration for a while, but it's one of my most favorite illustrations. And uh, I saw a coffee mug online the other day, Pinterest or something like that, and it said, uh, uh, I'm a pastor. Be careful what you say in front of me. It might show up in a sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're always looking for illustrations. You're like, oh, you know what that is. Uh, So um, a few years ago, how do I say this? Maybe I'll add something. Uh, so, you can have faith in one area and not in another, and so, I didn't always understand the blessing there is in sowing a seed, a financial seed into the kingdom of God, and so, um, I started, uh, to grow in that arena and sow seeds, and, uh, I just I almost couldn't get away from it because I just knew, like, you, you got to sow seed, sow seed. And I'm like, Lord, how in the world are we going to be able to live in D.C., plant a church? Because I knew that was stirring in my heart. And he's like, you need to sow. So I kept sowing and sowing and sowing. So I tithe you know, of course. But then we sowed, like, lots of seeds. Like, you know, more than double tithe. Like, more like triple tithe. So we're, like, <laughs> sowing all this stuff. You can't really triple tithe, but you can give that amount. Anyhow, so um, so we're sowing and sowing and sowing. Well, then we start the church, and I got, you know, I'm still sewing and sewing and sewing. And uh, it can be real busy when you're planning a church. And so uh, the Lord put on my heart, you need to take your family on vacation, because we would really only just go to her folks and my folks when it came time for vacation. I was like, you need to take your family on a vacation. Like, just, just leave it all. Like, not even with just your immediate family. Okay. I'm like, Well, what can we do for, like, $200, you know, (laughs) or less, you know? And uh, the Lord said, now, you know, you wouldn't hesitate to give, like, $1,000 in the offering over and above. And you need to do at least that for your family. And I'm like, so I'll do this and not that? He's like, no, you need to do both. And I'm like, both? Like, are you serious? Like, both? <laughs> so anyhow, this was my step of faith, and this was the second year that we had done this, so we took a beach vacation, and so this was my second year. And interesting enough, this is totally a side journey right now, interesting enough, when I did it, the money came in for it. Actually, one of the board members, one of the years, I think it was this year, <laughs> that this, it, it, the, the thing with Evie on the bike happened. And that was, uh, I was talking on the phone with him, and he said, um, you know what? The Lord just put on my heart, we had just booked the trip, and I didn't know where the money was coming from. He said, the Lord put in my heart, we're going to send you $1,500. And I think the trip was like $1,400 or something like that. So praise the Lord. You know? He responds to faith. So anyhow, so we endeavor to take at least one uh, one week trip where it's just our family every year. So we're down at uh, Hilton Head Island on the beach, and uh, we got like an oceanfront condo. Like, you just open the thing, and you see the water. Amazing. Really good price. And... Uh, so they have bikes there. If you've ever been there, they ride bikes on the beach because the sand is really hard. Oh, Evie, you're in here. That's good. Am I going to embarrass you? And so so we're all riding bikes, you know, Melody, myself, and our four kids. And so um, kids being kids, they're like, uh, Evie was the oldest, so she probably rode the bike the best. And so she would kind of get out in front. But there's roads you're crossing over. And lots of cars there. It's beautiful, but there's lots of cars. So it's not real safe for, oh, how old would you have been? Let's see, you're 15, so you're probably like, nine years old or something like that and so uh, uh Melody decided like okay dad's gonna be in the front I'm gonna be in the back and we sandwiched the kids in the middle well Evie kept going around me and getting in front and getting in front not because I was slow just because she wanted to go I'm trying to like pace with everybody and so she'd get in front and I say Evie mom already said don't be in front oh you know Evie I'm so sorry She's really, really repentant. I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't know why I did it. I'm like, okay. So we go. What happens? She goes in the front again. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. Right? You ever done something that you knew you weren't supposed to do, and then you're just like, why am I doing this? What is wrong with me? Like Paul in Romans chapter 7. Oh, wretched man that I am. When I want to do good, I do evil. And da, 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 da. Right? Well, the answer is Christ, he says. Um, And so the third time this happened, I said, hold on, Evie. And so we stopped and we had a conversation. And uh, I said, Evie, I said, you keep trying to just do what we're saying. I said, you have a heart to honor your mom and dad. Listen to what I'm telling you. We don't want you in front because it's not safe. You know, I just gave her a little explanation and to touch her heart. Well, do you know what? After that, for like 10 minutes... She didn't try to go in front. She was happy. She didn't feel guilty. And then she went in front again. (laughs) And, but this time when she went in front, instead of her being guilty and feeling guilty, she's like, oh yeah, I forgot, and went right back. And her attitude was correct. She didn't feel like, I am the worst person in the world. And I don't know, we weren't talking to you like you're the worst person in the world. We're just like, don't, don't get in front, you know. And, um, And so that's a real good illustration of the life of faith. That you're not trying to, i got to do this right and this right and this right and this right. You just make an adjustment in your heart. You turn your life over to the Lord from your heart. It's with the heart man believes, Romans chapter 9 says, or 10. Um, And um, with the mouth confession is made unto so you actually just say with your mouth what you actually, the decision you made in your heart, and then you're saved. And, uh, but that confession of the lordship of Jesus, that, that affects every of your life, that Jesus is Lord over your parenting. Jesus is Lord over your house. Jesus is Lord over your finance. And so Jesus said, if you want to see miraculous things happen in the natural world around you, lay hold of the faith of God or the faithfulness of God. And you want to see that in your children so that when they have a tough time and it seems like they are lacking confidence, they can actually call to remembrance. Oh, do you remember the faith that my mama has? The faith that my daddy has? Uh, I got that same faith. Because why? It's the same God. I turn my life over to the same God. If he did it for them, he'll do it for me. He never changes. Amen? Amen. So do just one thing for your children. Model a life of faith. And that's not a life with a bunch of other junk in it. That's a life that just is like, you know what? I'm turning every situation over to the Lord. Sometimes you you don't recognize it, like Evie, you know? Oh, how'd I get in front? (laughs) How did this happen? What happened? My flesh got so excited that I went to an area I wasn't supposed to go to. Right? But what did she do once she was taught and learned? She's like, oh, I'm sorry, went right back. And she didn't ride with guilt, condemnation, and she never, she didn't do it again. Wow, that was an easy lesson. Just one thing faith in God. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you are joining us today in person or online, And you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Uh, In order to go to heaven, you must receive him. And in order to receive him, you don't receive him because you do a lot of good works or a lot of good things. In fact, Jesus, they called him good teacher. And he said, uh, his response was, there is none good but God. So in other words, look to God. He is the one and the source of all goodness. And so you can't really uh, clean yourself up clean enough to be worthy to come to God. Jesus did that by dying on the cross for you, giving up his lifeblood so that you could be a part of the family of God. I grew up, um, I love my family, but some of my extended family, my uh, great aunts on one side, uh, I asked them one time, um, when did you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior? And they said, well, uh, We've always done that. And I said, well, you can't have always done that. The Bible says as many as received him, those are the ones he gave the right to be the children of God. So you must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. You must make a decision in your heart that I'm giving my life to God, turning my life over to Jesus Christ. When you do that and you confess him as Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. In that moment... You're made a new creature. Every old thing has passed away, the Bible says, and everything has become brand new. In other words, all of your sins are forgiven. All of your guilt is gone. You're just as right and just as pure and just as holy as Jesus himself is. That's what the Bible says. Hallelujah. Religion might say you got to do a lot of things in order to get there. That's not what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says that Jesus became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. I'm going to pray a prayer in uh, just a few seconds here. And When I do, if you've never given your life to God through Jesus Christ, I want you to, and you'd like to, I want you to pray that prayer with me. Online, you can uh, raise your hand. on the you know, there's an on, Raise your hand button on there. Um, and here, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'd like to turn your life over to Jesus, I want you to slip up a hand. I'm not going to call you up or embarrass you but we're all going to pray together in just a second and when we do if you pray that prayer from your heart God will hear your prayer he'll answer your prayer he will come to live on the inside of you you'll have a relationship with a new person and his name is Jesus he will heal you everywhere you hurt he will deliver you from every place that you're bound if you need healing in your body he will heal your body He's doing the same thing. He doesn't change. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Amen. If you'd like to receive Christ or if you've already been born again and you'd like to uh, pray with us, we're going to pray this together. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross for my sins and that you raised him from the dead so I could be right with you. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, my Savior. I'm going to live for you. I turn my life over to you. Father God, thank you that now you're my Father, that I'm right with you, that my sins are removed, that I am cleaned up brand new. In Jesus' name, amen.